a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. John Lindenberg, coming up on the program. Steady growth. Multinational companies embrace China's manufacturing boom, ramp up high-tech investments in the country. Strong trajectory. China's services sector shows strong growth in November, reflecting robust economic expansion. Quick fix. Participants at COP28 meetings stress need for urgent action as global carbon dioxide emissions set to reach record high this year. Chinese President Xi Jinping has met with his Belarusian counterpart Alexander Lukashenko in Beijing. The two countries have agreed to continue strengthening cooperations. Gao Yiming has more. During their meeting, Xi and Lukashenko discussed the trade, cultural exchanges, and industrial cooperation under the Belt and Road Initiative. President Xi said more than 150 countries have signed cooperation documents since he proposed the initiative. He also announced eight major steps to support high-quality Belt and Road cooperation. He said China welcomes Belarus to continue its active participation and gain more tangible development opportunities from the initiative. President Xi also called on the two sides to implement projects such as the China-Belarus Industrial Park and further facilitate cross-border transport to promote trade and personnel exchanges. He said both sides should expand cooperation in education, health, sports and tourism, support exchanges between young people, and enhance understanding and friendship. President Xi said China and Belarus are important forces in the reform and development of the global governance system. And China is ready to strengthen coordination with Belarus within the United Nations and the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. China is also ready to work with Belarus to promote global initiatives on development, security and civilization, as well as advance the building of a community with a shared future for humanity. Lukashenko said Belarus is committed to developing friendly relations with China and is willing to maintain close high-level exchanges and push for greater development of the all-weather comprehensive strategic partnership. He said Belarus will continue to participate in the global initiatives proposed by Xi Jinping, including the Belt and Road Initiative. The two heads of state also exchanged views on the Ukraine crisis. China is an important trading partner for Belarus, emphasizing a strategic trade relationship in the Eurasian region, according to the Chinese Commerce Ministry. China and Belarus achieved a record bilateral trade volume of $5.1 billion in 2022, a 33% increase from a year ago. Specifically, China's imports from Belarus rose 65% and exports increased by 20%. Since July 2022, the Central Bank of Belarus has included the Chinese yuan in its currency basket with a weight of 10%, equivalent to that of the euro. Foreign investment in China's manufacturing sector rose almost 2% year-on-year during the first 10 months of 2023, according to the latest data. The growth for high-tech manufacturing logged an increase of 9.5%. Our reporter Zhang Shixuan visited two manufacturing facilities in Shanghai to find out how that investment is being deployed. This 20-year-old plant manufactures the most modern automotive glazing, roughly 2 million sets a year, 
Today, Shanghai plant is one of the largest plants in our footprint worldwide. We call it the Giga Factory in our group. We have been producing more than 100 million parts since uh, this plant was launched 20 years ago. Meanwhile, more than half a million items come off production lines at this skincare product factory each day. 15 years ago, at that time, it was only support to Chinese mainland, but now it also can cover Taiwan region and also the Asian markets for our about 10% of capacity. It could be the global hub for our health styling centers. It means the products here can also be exported to uh, European market. It is very important. Most factories which have attracted foreign investment have both efficient and larger scale production. That's what brought French industrial giant Saint-Gobain to Shanghai to invest in this blazing plant. So we are entering now our lamination workshop where we can produce large windshield for automotive. Let's go. Most of the tasks on the production line are now handled by robots. In this workshop, we have three lines. This is the latest uh, line that we have in Shanghai. It was actually installed last year. And this is the first glass which came out uh, out of this line. We are actually quite uh, developing ourselves in the EV markets. So yes, we have new customers coming in recently. This bottling line at a plant owned by German skincare group Biostore has also been moving rapidly towards full automation. All the filling and packaging is done by machines. We first build these production centers and we have a distribution, of course. And then we add on this uh, innovation center. The ideas comes from the innovation centers. You can see that as some kind of samples, pieces. And we send to the pallet lab that in the third floor of these production centers. Once it could be industrialized, it uh, will be approved by our uh, process and it will be finally produced in this first and second floor's workshop. The multinationals are setting ambitious growth targets. In the next five years, we're going to have it accumulate 150 million RMB investment here for this plant only. Speed definitely matters, it always. Uh, besides speed, also we have a very uh, material supply chain. Here uh, also we have see lots of the innovation uh, in package, etc. as comes from uh, in China. We are following the, the trend of, of automotive market in China. Uh, the, it's today the first market in the world, but also the first one for electrical vehicles. We really want this company or this plant to be the first one to produce high added value products and all the innovative parts uh, and most complex parts are produced here in this plant in Shanghai. With innovation coming in, the growth is mainly coming on the complexity uh, rather than the number of pieces. While the automotive glazing maker started its business in China with a small workshop in Shanghai back in 1995, its manufacturing footprint has been extended to four cities around China. Having visited several factories here in Shanghai and be given an in-depth tour of these two plants today, it's hard to ignore the pace of foreign investment. But it's not just about speed, it's also about tech innovations and industrial upgrades that lead to more sustainable growth. And for more on foreign investment in China, we're joined by Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum Arcade Technologies. Jiahe, good to see you. So China has been keen on continued open up and to attract more foreign investors. What specific measures and policies have been rolled out and implemented in the past year to attract more foreign investors? 
if you look at the detailed policies set out in recent years, we can see quite many of them in all areas. In fact, reading through all these policies, you can find that China is now much more open to global investors compared with a decade ago. Uh, for example, China has just removed all the restrictions in the manufacturing industry that might be met by global capital. Um, there has been a recent document that stated 24 policies which aimed at attracting the global capital into China. Uh, the fixed income market of China has been open in the past decade to global investors, and there are now around 4% to 5% of the bonds held by global investors. Uh, the stock markets in China have been opened almost completely to global investors. Uh, a decade ago, entering the stock markets in China requires application for quota, which was called QV. But now the global capital can open an account and buy Chinese equities any time they want and with any amount of money they want. And with these loosened policies, um, what do you think are still the main concerns uh, for foreign investors considering to invest in China? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, I think for foreign investors, the profits that they can make is certainly the most important concern. I mean, you wouldn't only invest in a market where there is profit to make. Uh, currently, the Chinese market is fulfilled with things that cannot be missed in the global market. China has one of the world's most completed industrial chain. You can easily find a supplier of whatever you need here, and the products delivered will be on time and with good quality. Uh, this efficiency of the industrial system is actually unmatchable in the world. Uh, another concern for global investors in China's market is the rising cost. Currently, as the salary in China is rising every year, the cost of labor has been a concern in recent years. And this is a problem that we shall sort out with more AI, more machine in production line, etc. Also, there are many other concerns such as legal framework, exchange rate, a global political environment, growing local market, all sorts of things. Uh, we can actually write an essay with any of these subjects. So looking forward, what do you think still needs to be done to boost investor confidence in the Chinese market? Well, we can separate the investor confidence into two parts, the short-term confidence and the long-term confidence. When we talk about the short-term confidence, there is only one thing that matters in the financial market that is called wealth effect. You know, a bull market always brings incredible amount of confidence. I remember that just about two months ago, the market was worrying about CNY uh, since the exchange rate has been dropping for quite a while. But since the CNY has been rising rapidly in the past months, all the confidence seems coming back. And in the long term, there are three important factors that determine the confidence of investors. That include stability of the market, transparency of the market rules, and the long-term growth of the economy. As long as our policymakers and businesses can work out effectively in these three areas, there will be confidence towards China's market in the long term. Yeah, definitely. Great points. Thank you so much for your insights. Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum RK Technologies. Gold prices notched up another record high to kick off the week with spot prices reaching over 2100 US dollars. How long will this momentum last? Our reporter Chen Tong sat down with the head of research of the World Gold Council in Shanghai to find out more. Gold prices hit another record high this week. What are the reasons behind this round of increase? Uh, gold has been supported by uh, two main reasons, I would say. First is heightened geopolitical concerns. Geopolitics uh, have uh, provided additional support for gold because it 
serves as a safe haven. The other factor that is important is that the market is starting to uh, price uh, rate cuts by the Fed and other central banks at some point next year. I also want to mention an additional third factor, so to complement these first two, uh, which is uh, positioning. Like in, in October or so, positioning in the gold market was weak. And that usually means that if the gold price reaches certain uh, higher level, suddenly positioning changes significantly. So suddenly more investors uh, move because the, the gold market is usually uh, on a net long position. And this was very, very, very low. So it's very common that it mean reverse. Do you think the momentum will continue in the following months? For now. Expectation of interest rates is already, you know, supporting prices, but it is also true that if the Fed and other central banks are able to achieve a soft landing, then risk may come down a bit, and that, you know, would potentially create some some headwinds for gold. Right. So it's going to be a little bit of a balance, and it depends on whether. The economy does manage to to have a soft landing, or if there's a recession. If there's a recession, then we, you will see far more uh, support for gold. I think that this is a common phenomenon towards the end of the year to see gold prices behave more or less like this, and then you know, looking forward, we see we're looking at the balance between these two factors. Chinese consumers are still showing their enthusiasm in buying gold, but do you think their passion? Uh, also stems from the sluggish performance of the stock market so far this year. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because in Q3 we did see a deceleration, in particular in gold demand. But when you look at year to date, then that has been supportive, right? And part of the reason is also the rebound uh, post uh, 2022. In addition to that, um, we have seen obviously kind of like that the gold price has reached record levels in in China as well. And that is attractive for gold as an investment. Obviously, for consumption, it can be difficult, right? Because if the price increases, that tends to decelerate demand. But it is interesting to see in China searches for gold as, as you know, jewelry as an investment and gold as an investment have also increased, which again is providing this support, right? That you know, people see gold not just as something that you would buy today or tomorrow, but something that you hold for the long term. Another survey shows an uptick in logistics operation in China's e-commerce sector. Data from the China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing shows the e-commerce logistics index rose to 113 points in November. That represents an increase of 1.2 percent from a month earlier. The sub-index tracking the total business volume rose to 124, the highest reading so far this year. And the sub-index for rural e-commerce logistics business volume has stopped falling and rebounding. Founded, rising to 129.5 points. The rapid development of e-commerce is driving the growth of China's express delivery industry. Fresh data from China's State Post Bureau says that as of December 4th, China's express delivery volume this year exceeded 120 billion, a record high. Since 2021, the annual business volume of China's express delivery has exceeded 100 billion pieces for three consecutive years, and this time it has exceeded 120 billion pieces for the first time. A senior official said that China's express service network is accessible to the world and has become a representative industry with the widest coverage in the field of modern logistics, the highest level of intelligence, and the fastest production efficiency. China's consumption and service sectors have experienced rapid growth since the start of this year, showcasing the distinct advantages of the super-scale economy. 
this growth not only offers a larger market for the express delivery industry, but also presents potential opportunities and vitality for sustained high-quality economic development. China's tourism market is also witnessing an impressive resurgence with visitor numbers and revenues for the Huangshan Scenic Area surpassing those of the previous year and reaching an all-time high. Our reporter Olivia He investigates the factors contributing to this remarkable achievement. Hey, it's Olivia. Right now I'm in Mountain Huangshan, one of China's most beautiful mountains. This mountain is always bustling with visitors. Even today on a Monday morning, there are still countless tourists here enjoying its beauty. The tourism market in China is experiencing a robust recovery, as is evidenced by Huangshan, which has welcomed over 4 million visitors this year, surpassing its tourist numbers from 2019. Apart from its natural beauty, Huangshan has implemented additional strategies to enhance its tourism sector and stimulate consumption. In order to enhance the cultural and tourism experience for visitors, we have implemented a range of measures to enhance the protection and management of our resources. Our utmost priority is to ensure the preservation of the environment and biodiversity, which is why we have taken the initiative to establish the first ever carbon neutral zone in mountainous region within the country. To reduce carbon emissions, all the trash in the mountain will no longer be burned or buried. Instead, sanitation workers will take charge of sorting the waste and transporting it down the mountain to a centralized garbage transfer station for appropriate treatment. In addition to his unwavering commitment to environmental preservation, Huangshan is fervently involved in cultivating a diverse range of cultural and creative products. Deriving inspiration from its renowned welcoming pine tree, a range of associated products has been expertly crafted and introduced, like the delightful welcoming pine coffee and ice cream. These exceptional offerings have gone viral on various social media platforms, triggering an increasing flux of younger tourists to explore the region. Olivia He, CGTN, Huangshan City in Nanhui Province. And for more discussions on the latest Caixin Services PMI data, we're joined by uh, Shi Fanqi, Assistant Professor at the School of Economics of Peking University. Professor Shi, so, um, you know, we saw a slight rebound in the Caixin Services PMI data in November. Uh, what's behind this rebound? Uh, so for, for instead of talking about the rebound, let me look at do a little bit of comparison. So for the Caixin group, we see that the service PM actually rose a little bit by more than one percent to fifty uh, to by more than one point to fifty one point five. While there is a little bit of contradiction with the data reported by the National Bureau of Statistics, we see that basically the the, the manufacturing PM actually dropped to 50.2 and the service actually dropped to 49.3. So I'm not going to details to talk about which one is more reliable, but let's look into details to look at the the, the basically the component, uh, basically different components. We see for basically uh, both reports, we see that for inner city, intra-city uh, travel and also accommodation, dining, uh, we see that it's a little bit of a uh, drop. And the reason is pretty uh, pretty much is that for October we have the holiday spending, while that enthusiasm is no longer there. So that's a little bit of drop. But on the other side, we see those sectors like telecommunications, the financial services, etc., has slightly remained very robust and also has slightly picked up. So that's basically, I guess, that's general pattern. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, comparing to the first half of this year, um, why has the services PMI been relatively lackluster considering um, uh, and constantly hovering uh, around the 50 mark that separates expansion from contraction? Well, I see basically for, for the first half of the year, we see there is still the lag effects from the pandemic. And that means uh, that now since there has been lockdown, now people really enjoy the outdoor travels, etc., and their enthusiasm. But on the other hand, we see that uh, there's also that people, uh, there's some kind of the lag over effects from the pandemic. So that means that there will be a likely to be a sharp uh, uptake uh, in the first half of the year, uh, especially in the service PMI. But now we have pretty much reached the steady state, and that means the enthusiasm is still there, but it's like unlikely to have a huge uptick. But on the other hand, it is uh, also unlikely to rise significantly since uh, we have not seen a significant increase in the consumer's income. So this kind of sustained growth is probably not probable unless we see that trend. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, Shi Fan Qi, Assistant Professor at the School of Economics of Peking University for us. According to the UN, more than $650 million has so far been pledged to support those affected by climate change. But active, activists insist more funds are needed. CGTN's Adele uh, Aka Rocky has more from Dubai. So far, the latest UN Climate Summit, also known as COP28, has raised 655 million US dollars for a loss and damage fund that needs 150 billion US dollars annually. According to experts, African countries alone need 250 billion dollars every year to finance green energy and climate adaptation efforts. Another 1 trillion dollars must be raised for carbon capture and storage projects. That's in addition to 4 trillion dollars needed to fund the shift to renewable energy and build climate-resilient infrastructure. A lot of progress has been made in the last few years. We've seen the growth of a global green bond market, for example, $4 trillion. In fact, the Chinese green bond market is the world's largest now, thanks to the positive action on the part of the regulators. We have seen a lot. Of course, it's nowhere near enough. You're right in that way. We've got to do a lot more. Experts say there is a gap in climate project evaluations when it comes to the banking sectors. Some banks are willing to invest, but they claim they can't find the financially viable projects to fund. About uh, adaptation finance in uh, particular, um, it's been tragically underfunded. We need to do a lot more. Um, and the EIB is absolutely ready to uh, uh, increase adaptation finance uh, increasingly. But we see challenges, as you said. There is a, a big gap for a reason, is that... Um, Project developers struggle, work with climate models and um, really translate climate data into engineering and then project design decisions. And that's why we are not seeing enough um, adaptation projects that are basically bankable and ready for financing, ready for uh, scaling up and replication in other countries. Financial organizations appear to be slowing the pace of climate action. The huge sums of money needed have complicated the situation even further. There are plenty of challenges, but two key challenges that we have is, on one hand, we need to get that Article 6 up and running on carbon markets. I think that the European experience have uh, demonstrated that having a, a carbon pricing that is working, 
the second one I would say is that fossil fuels, yeah? This is like, imagine it is someone who has lung cancer, right? And you recommend that person to do exercise, to eat healthy, but you don't tell them to stop smoking. In 2021, the estimated cost of all climate action tracks until 2050 was around 150 trillion US dollars. Today, it's definitely way more. That is if the world wants to keep the rising global temperature at about 1.5 degrees Celsius. The finances could be out there. World leaders say they want to go green. They only need to prove that they're willing to pay the bill. And that is what this COP is truly about. Adel Mahroui, CGTN, Dubai. On the sidelines of this year's COP28 Climate Summit held in Dubai, CGTN's Gaoang sat down with Pascal Sorio, CEO of the UK-based pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca, for his insights on the decarbonization of the health system and the importance of collaboration in combating climate change, especially between China and the U.S. Mr. Sorry, thank you for taking the interview. So one said that the climate crisis is also a health crisis. What has your company done to promote green power and also the decarbonization of the health sector? Climate crisis is a health crisis, as you said. There is about 7 million people who die every year from pollution and uh, climate change. Uh, small particles in the air, they will give you lung cancer, COPD, asthma, all sorts of uh, diseases. And it is more than the total number of people who died during COVID. Every year, 7 million. And it is going to grow. It's expected to be multiplied by four times by 2050 if uh, the temperature goes up by two degrees. Uh, so really it is uh, becoming a big issue. And uh, as industry, we are working across uh, everything we can do to reduce. And we have, for instance, a large uh, announcement in China and India where a number of companies are working together to provide uh, green energy to our own sites and also our suppliers. Uh, and it's an investment that would generate 70 megawatts of uh, green electricity and take the equivalent of 25,000 cars off the road. The China and U.S. have recently released a Sunnyland statement on enhancing cooperation to address climate crisis. So how important is China-U.S. collaboration to tackling global climate change? I think collaboration is incredibly important, country to country, uh, private uh, companies to governments. Uh, private companies to private companies, and that's what we try to do in the Sustainable Market Initiatives, the group of healthcare companies working together. So the collaboration between China and the U.S. is really fundamental. So we work together to really address what is a common threat for all people around the planet. Climate change is uh, not a Chinese threat or U.S. threat or European threat. It's a threat to all of us. We're just investing uh, up to $750 million in Jingdao in the Shandong province. And as part of this, we are going to build a project looking at uh, wind farms in the ocean, because as you know, Jingdao is close to the water, yes. of course. And so we have wind farms, wind farms. That, uh, that will produce green electricity for our plant, but also other companies in the area. Um, so we have, you know, many, we use uh, solar panels everywhere we can. We're, of course, moving to uh, green vehicles, working with our suppliers to help them access uh, green energy. So a lot of activity is going on in China. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm Michelle Vandenberg in Beijing. Thank you for watching. Bye for now.